This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. So, 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 you know, it's not like, you know, when you see that word, I, you know, that word obey, you know, you think, you mean that those pastors, they're going to tell me what to do and I'm supposed to obey them and, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, you get an attitude about it, you get a whining attitude about it, but that's not in a bad way. You know, this isn't saying stuff in a bad way. You know, if we didn't have a group of awesome staff and awesome directors and awesome people that work within the ministry, and they do what they're told from the top down. That's why everything runs well around here, because they obey what we ask them to do. And we show them this is how you run this department, da-da-da-da-da-da. That doesn't mean they can't have suggestions and they don't come to us and say, hey, can I do this this way? Yeah, that's great, you know, da-da-da-da. doesn't mean that we don't have meetings with them. And sometimes their suggestions are awesome with all that kind of cool stuff. Uh, you know, that's good. So that doesn't mean that we're dictators. But it's just like, uh, I like sometimes I like to uh, liken the body of Christ to the, the, to the natural army. You know, Brother Al back there and I were talking about the military before the service. You know, uh, I like the military. I like Al. He served our country well. Thanks, Al. And... Uh, you know, my dad was a World War II veteran. My, my I was an Army brat, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So I, I like I like military stuff. But even the military, things have to run right. You know, you have to have somebody that's in charge. And whoever's in charge is has somebody that, that they answer to. You know, so it goes all the way up to the four-star generals in the Pentagon and all that kind of stuff. But there's a chain of command that comes on down. And, and it's so, with like, if you're working at the Marine base or if you're working at Fort Irwin, there is a chain of command that you have to follow. So, you know, God does things decently and in order, and it's the same way within his church. So pastors have to give an account of the sheep. You know, so like I was told you this the other day, and pastors talk about. It. So when we all get to heaven, when we all get to heaven, okay, when we all get to heaven, we're all going to be lining up. You know, this group of folks here will line up behind Pastor Samples, and Pastor, and the Lord will say to Pastor Samples, "Well, give, give an account for these sheep you got here. You know, how how were they? Well, oh Lord, they were so good. They were so hungry." They served, they tithed, Lord, they were supported one another, they loved one another, Lord, they were just good, they were with us to the end, you know. And they were really good. And then they'll say, well, how about so-and-so? Pastor will say, I don't know, Lord. They left. They left. You know, so, you know, and that's not unprofitable for that person because God places each member in the body that pleases him, not as it pleases us. Why does he do that? Because he knows what we need. So if we're going to the fluffy church, you know, we don't need to be fluffy. We need to be fixed. So you need to, you need to go to the church where the Lord wants you so you can be fixed. And then after you're fixed, then you can help serve and help other people to get fixed. Amen? Okay, cool deal. Um, let's see what else we got here. You know, I, it, what, what do they call it? that watches football, uh, living room quarterback, there's another one, armchair quarterback, okay, so you got these guys that um, sit there on whatever day they have these dumb games, pardon my, pardon me, I don't like football, anyway, 
They watched these things. They were never good enough to really play on a team, or if they did, they played on the bench. They don't have a clue. They don't have a clue about the game. But they think they know it all, right? So here you got this professional quarterback making too much money. You know what I'm saying? And he knows what he's doing. These guys are good. These pros, they're good. You know, they are really good. So, you know, who's this armchair quarterback think he is yelling at the TV, trying to tell the quarterback how to run that play? He didn't have a clue. So it is with people in the church. You try to tell the pastors, you know, this is how we want our church to run. We say, no, this is how the Holy Ghost wants the church to run. And then whiners sometimes end up with a familiar spirit. Now you say, well, what is a familiar spirit? That's why I wish we had Dr. Barclay's book in, in, in here, but we don't. But you can ask any, what, third year, third year. did you have to read uh, Familiar Spirits this year, Dylan? Okay, ask a third year student. That would be Dylan, Cletus, or Leanne. You can, they know all about it. They had to write a book report on it, didn't you? So they know, they got, they all got great grades. They know, how, they know about it. But familiar comes with the word family. It means to become familiar with somebody. Well, also, there are demons who are familiar with you. There are demons that know your history. They know if, you know, you got a bunch of alcoholics in your, in your family. They got know, they know if you, you know, they know what, how, what makes your family not tick. So, a lot of times, um, people, this sounds like a hard thing to say, but it's the truth. Can you handle, can you handle some truth? Okay, this is the hard stuff. Pastor and I can't be your friends. That hurts your feelings, doesn't it? But we can't be your friends. Why? Because you'll get too familiar with us. You'll start griping and complaining about us. You, you won't like the way I stir my tea. You know what I'm saying? Just stupid stuff. And you'll start to get critical. Is it that is it that we don't love you? Man, we love you guys so much. We give our lives for you. That's how much we love you. That's why we do what we do, because we love you. But our friends have to be other pastors. And you know how often we get to see our pastors? About once a year, our friend pastors, you know. And we're all too busy to get together. Because they're doing what we're doing. They're just working for the kingdom, you know, keeping on, keeping on. Do we dearly love our pastor friends? We sure do. And we have a great time when we're able to get together. But we don't get together with them very often. So, you know, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings, but you just have to understand. Someone came up to me a couple months ago and said this to me. Hadn't seen this person for six months in church. Mind you, we have three services a week, you know. If you're not here, it's your own fault. Came up and said, I really need to spend some time with you. You know, will you uh, go to lunch with me, person said to me. And I said, well, I'm getting ready to go out of town, which I was. And I thought, there's no way I'm going to go to lunch with them. I have nothing to give to them if they can't come and get it in a service. So I never went out to lunch with this person. Because I thought, you're stealing my time, you're stealing my energy. You know, I got stuff to do. I got places to go, people to see. You know what I mean? I thought, if you want help, it's not going to be me going to lunch. 
It's going to be you coming to this church service and you sitting here like all these other smart people do and you're getting the answers that you need. Because I refuse to drain myself. You know, i got to take care of all you folks. Yes, I do. Okay. And then whiners gripe about other workers. They don't help in the church. They just gripe. We used to have a gal here, and thank God in Greyhound, she's gone. But <laughs> she would gripe about everybody. And I got so ticked off at this woman. She would, she had children, she would put them in the nursery. And I dearly love our, our nursery workers, okay? They're trained, they're background checked, they're the creme de la creme, as far as I'm concerned. They give of their time, they give of their energy to work in the nursery so that people can enjoy the service without having, you know, to wrestle with their little babies or whatever. Every single Sunday she would come and gripe to me about one of the nursery workers. Do you think that made me happy? I was not one lick happy. And uh, good for her, she decided that her and her family weren't going to come here anymore because I was about ready to give them the boot. You know, get out of here. There's the door. Don't let it hit the butt on the way out. Get out. Because I won't put up with murmurs and complainers and whiners and people that gripe about the workers. But they would do nothing. They had nothing to say to me. I had nothing that I wanted to hear from them about my excellent workers. Understand what I'm saying? So that didn't fly. Whiners also have a critical eye. They're critical. They look around to see what's wrong. They don't look to see what's right. They look to see what's wrong. That's not good for somebody to be that way. You can look this up later. Song of Solomon 2.15 says that the little foxes spoil the vine. And sometimes I think about little dogs that nip at everything. You know, they nip at your heels. Nip, nip, nip. Well, I thought about that scripture. Little foxes spoil the, the vine. So some of these people, they nip at everything. They're always coming up and grabbing your ankles. Critical, complaining, grabbing your ankles. You know, griping it and stuff. Song of Solomon 2.15 says that the little foxes, you know, things like that, they spoil the vine. They make the atmosphere not cool because you're, you're trying to deal with somebody who's griping and complaining while you got, you know, you got 99 people that are happy as a lark and one person's griping and complaining, you know. Kind of takes the air out of your bubble there. Whiners have bad attitudes. Bad attitudes. They're moody. You never know what kind of mood they're going to be in when they come through the door. You know, the other day, pastor said to me, he says uh, about somebody, what kind of a mood were they in today? <laughs> because we know the moody one. <laughs> and I said, well, they were in a pretty good mood today. You know, well, they weren't in a good mood last week. I said, I know they were moody last week, but they were in a good mood today. So you don't want to be moody. You know? You know, you know, in Psalms 23, it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You know that scripture? You know, you don't need to be on the mountaintop one day and the valley the next day. You need to walk the straight, the straight and the narrow. You know what I'm saying? You need to walk this. You need to be stable. That's what you need to do. Whiners are also full of excuses. 
Well, I can't come to church. One of the best excuses somebody ever said to me was in Indiana, I can't come to church because I have to wash my hair. And I thought, come here, I'll wash your hair for you. <laughs> Dip you in the horse trough. Me, me, me. Wash your hair for you. No. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. So I'm sure you could come up with some other uh, characteristics of whiners on your own. But hopefully you don't fit into any of those. But would you like to hear some characteristics of winners? Okay, let's get to the good part, okay? Shoo-wee, we can bury the bad part. Here comes the good part. Okay, Isaiah 57 is our verse for the year. I will make joyful in my house of prayer, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. So winners are joyful in his house of prayer. They are joyful. Winners are joyful. Isn't that the truth? Winners are joyful. Um, you can write this reference down. First Samuel 22.2. I'm not going to go there. Winners are smart enough to know who their leader is. You have got to look. You've got to get. A, a, if you don't have a New Living Translation, you've got to get one. You've got to look this stuff up. This is just rich. About David's mighty men. King Saul was after Dick, uh, David because he was jealous of him and blah, blah, blah. You've got to read it for yourself. Start out First Samuel 1 and just keep reading. You'll get through Second Samuel after a while. You don't have to read it all in one day, but it's good stuff, man. So David flees because King Saul's out to kill him. So he runs to this cave called the Cave Adullam. But you know what happens with him? All of a sudden, all these other men start following him out to this cave. They were people that were in distress, the Bible says. You ever been in distress? They were people that were discontent. Have you ever been discontent? They were people in debt. Have you ever been in debt? Maybe you still are. But those people gathered to David in this cave. And they ended up being called David's mighty men. And it's really cool to read about them. There were three that were just extremely outstanding military guys. You know, if you want to read some good army stories, read the Bible <laughs> about the military. is awesome. But then he also had another 70 mighty men. And then he had his regular army type people. But isn't it amazing that they were smart enough to know who their leader was. And they went and they sought him out in the cave. Isn't that amazing? So the winners are smart enough to know who their leader is. Our main leader is Dr. Barkley. I dearly love that man because he doesn't pull any punches. He tells it like it is, and that's what I like. I like honesty. Tell me like it is. Just, just come on. Let's hear it. <laughs> you know, I want to hear it. He tells, he tells it like it is, and I love that man. So um, anyway, winners are smart enough to know who their leader is and to follow him. Winners also keep focused on the task at hand. They get the job done. Right? Winners will get the job done for you. Right? And they'll get the task accomplished. Whatever it is that they're supposed to do, winners will get it done. Um, you're going to have to write these scriptures down because i got a few minutes here. Write down Judges 7.5. Winners refuse to get distracted. 
And this is a story about Gideon's army. I love this too. You ought to read the Old Testament. It's really good stuff. Gideon's, Gideon, the Lord chose Gideon, who was a little farm boy. And he said, why are you choosing me? I'm the poor of the poor. I'm the youngest of the, of the whole group. I'm the stupidest. I have no, you know, I have no skills. I'm nothing. But God Almighty chose Gideon to defeat the, the Midianites. And I think they were Muslims, I think. So anyway, so he gets this army and people gather to him. Now, why are they gathering to this guy? Well, God anointed him, so people gathered to him. But he had this huge army, and then God said, no, you've got too many. God wanted him to have 300. So how is he going to separate the regular soldiers from the 300 that God want, wanted to go with Gideon on this, on this special assignment? So the Lord says, have him go down and drink by the water. So some of them stuck their head in the water and, and lapped it up like a dog would. And some of them cupped the water up in their hands and they went like this while they're continuing to look around. 300 of them did that. Why did they do that? Because they weren't going to get distracted from looking for the enemy even as much as to drink, get a drink of water. They were always on alert. Isn't that cool? That is really cool. They were always on duty, always watching out, always alert. Amen. That's cool. So winners are like that. Um, look at First Peter 5, verses 8 and 9. We will look at that. First Peter 5, 8 and 9. Winners know who the enemy is. How can you fight if you don't know who the enemy is? First Peter 5, 8 and 9. Be sober. Be vigilant. Here it tells you who your enemy is. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom you resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. And as pastor says, but they won't be accomplished in your brethren that are in the word. Amen. So you've got to know who your enemy is. You've got to know what his tricks are. You know, the Bible talks about the wiles of the devil. He has the same old bags of tricks that he has always had. Sometimes he delivers them in a different colored package with a different colored ribbon, but it's the same, same old, same old. So after a while, you know, you'll know what the enemy does. Okay, you need to know that winners are more than conquerors, and they know where their victory comes from. So flip over to Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, 31 through 39. Talking about winners now. Winners are more than conquerors, and they know where their victory comes from. So, chapter 8, beginning in verse 31, I'm in King James. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? You know, when the kids were little, when Jason's 43 now, something like that, when he was a little fella, you know, we would be reading the Bible to the kids and and a pastor would say, well, we weren't pastors in. <laughs> he would say, if God be for us, who can be against us? And my little son, Jason, would say, the devil, Booney, the devil. 
Wasn't that cute? But he knew who the enemy was, though, didn't he? But we are more than conquerors. Verse 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it that condemns? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Jesus is praying for us at the right hand of the Father. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who? Who's going to separate you from the love of Jesus Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecutions or famine or nakedness or peril, or sword, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. So you've always got to remember that. We're not just conquerors. We're more than conquerors. Do you want me to give you an example of more than a conqueror? Say yes. Yes, Mrs. Pastor. That's what I figured you all wanted to know. So you have this prize fighter. Donna Winston's not here tonight unless she's up in children's church. But her son is a professional cage fighter. What does he do? Is that what he does? Okay. Eric Winston. He's a, he's a professional. Fights in Vegas and everything. He's married. Eric goes and he does the fight. He wins the fight. He gets the big prize. He gets the big belt. He goes home to his little wife and he hands her the check. She's more than a conqueror. <laughs> We're all more than conquerors, right? Now, see, that's a good example, right? So you, you can remember that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's see. Did I finish reading this? No. Okay. Verse 38, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers, those are demon uh, things, principalities, powers, nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor death nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are more than conquerors. Amen. All right. So, winners are loyal and faithful. There's a difference between being loyal and faithful. Judas Iscariot, he was faithfully with Jesus all the time. He was not loyal to Jesus. He betrayed Jesus. See what I'm saying? It's a heart issue. Loyalty and faithfulness is a heart issue. You can have people that come faithfully to church all the time, but if they're murmuring and complaining, they're not loyal. Correct? Okay. Write this scripture down. Colossians 3.23 Winners... Work heartily as unto the Lord. When they when they work, winners work. They're doing they're working for the approval of Jesus. They're not necessarily looking for recognition. Now, Pastor and I try real hard to tell all of our ministry house people what a great job they're doing and how much we love them. It would take a long time for us to go around. Tell how many children's workers did we have on uh, Resurrection Sunday? Sixty-six of you people were working, were working out there on Resurrection Sunday. You weren't even in the service; you were out there. Is that amazing or what? But they're working heartily as unto the Lord. 
You know, is God happy with them? Um, go, don't look this one up either because we're getting it's like time to close. And I've got five more weeks to go. Romans 12, 2 says, winners renew their mind to the word of God. You know, when you get born again, man, you got stinking thinking. I say that's the problem with the world. People just need to get born again and read the Bible. Then everything will be great. Winners renew their mind to the word of God. Winners have a right and proper thinking which produces an impeccable attitude. Let me see what this one is. Philippians 4.8. King James. Let's see what this one says real quick. Philippians 4.8. Philippians 4.8. says this. Finally, brethren. Okay, this is what you're thinking about. I used to tell this to the children when they were little. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on those things. So winners have right and proper thinking, which produces an impeccable attitude, right? Okay, now winners are stable. You can write this down. Ephesians 4 9 talks about the fivefold gifts, and then it goes on to this. Winners know the word and are not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine because they're stable in the word of God. Their winners are consistently, constantly consistent. Winners are constantly consistent. And they're consistently constant. They're the same all the time. They're stable. Amen. They can be counted on. Uh, winners walk in love. You can write down 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 13. They walk in love. Winners walk in love. Winners walk in unity. You can write down Psalms 133, 1 through, verses 1 through 3. Winners within the kingdom of God promote green grass and still waters. In the natural, sheep won't drink out of a stirred pool that's rolling, running, or whatever. They want like a nice quiet pond, you know, green grass, still waters. That's the way sheep are in the natural. I mean, church sheep, they want peace. They want green grass. They want still waters. Amen. So, I'm sure you can think of some other definitions of of winners. I'm going to... Winners do this. They remember what it was that gained them the victory when they came in here a mess. How many of you came to this place a mess? <laughs> How many of you got fixed by Jesus and his word and his love? Yeah, all of you, see? So you got to remember what it was that gained you the victory to begin with. So, uh, and you need to keep doing it. Not only do you need to keep doing it, but you need to add to it so that you can grow. Okay. I want to read to you out of the New Living. If I can find it, it's buried under here somewhere in this mess of books. Okay, I'm in the, in the New Living. I'm going to read to you Colossians 3, 1 through 17. Really good stuff. I'm going to end with this. Did you learn anything tonight? <laughs> Did you identify yourself anywhere? Are you on the good side or the bad side? If you're on the bad side, get over it and get on the good side. Right? 
trying to find Colossians in this little bitty Bible. Okay, Colossians 3, 1 through 17. I'm going to read to you. New Living Bible. Since you have been, or translation, since you have been raised to a new life with Christ. Have you been raised to a new life with Christ? Okay. Set your sights on the realities of heaven, the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, idolater worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, get rid of get rid of malicious behavior, get rid of slander, get rid of dirty language. Don't lie to each other. For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. We are to be followers of Him as dear children. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. You know, sometimes you've got to put up with folks because they're not all perfect like you. And forgive anyone who offends you. No offenses. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all its richness Fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him, through God the Father. Now, doesn't that sound like a winner to you? Amen. I would rather be a winner than a whiner any day. Amen. Let's stand up. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.